1: Welcome to the Maximus Podcast with your hosts, Bobby Maximus and Joe Sabula. We are sponsored by Lalo Tactical, www.lalo.com, and Meat Locker, www.meatlocker.com. If you want the best shoes, go to Lalo. For the best steak, go to Meat Locker. Today, Joe Sabula and I are going to do our very first question and answer session. On the podcast. And Joe, we talked about this before. We're going to do kind of a special format. The questions are going to get read and we're going to kind of go back and forth on questions. But you're going to get two minutes to answer. I'm going to get two
2: minutes to answer. And then we're going to move on to the next one. Fair enough. And I have not had uh, access to these questions before this. So this will be fun. Kind of off the cuff. They were were sent to
1: my Instagram. So these are going to be right off the top of your head. Yep. All right, Joe. So let's get right into it, because I think this is going to be interesting and could go on a long time. But question number one for you, how do I get a workout partner to have the same drive as me to achieve what I want to? And your two minutes starts
2: now. (laughs) Yeah, that is a that is a tough question, because it's it's one thing to motivate yourself. Right. And say, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this for me. But trying to find somebody who will also hold you to that can be quite a bit of a a, a challenge. And you I think really you just have to look at who you already hang around and who you kind of trust in that role. You know, if uh, if you're at the beginning of a fitness journey, it's one thing, too, where you might be able to convince someone to join. At that point, right? So there's two of you kind of starting together. Uh, if you already have a friend who's, you know, super fit, that might be a good person to tap into as well. And I think it comes a lot to the nature of the relationship that you have. I think a big thing that everybody needs to do is encourage one another. So once you're in the gym working out, I mean, maybe maybe your friend knows what they're doing, maybe they don't, but you want to be encouraging regardless so that it's a it's a positive experience, right? Right. It's one thing uh, to to come into the gym and just kind of go through the motions, and that's probably going to fade out over time. But I really think if, if you're in there, kind of patting each other on the back, giving your giving your partner a high five, saying, "Hey, way to hustle," you know, and even just telling them, "Hey, I appreciate the way that you pushed me on that," you know. And then the other thing is is if you have uh, uh, like Instagram influencers that you follow that post-workout videos It's like watch those together and try to emulate some of the energy that the people you admire bring to their workouts. So I think those are all some some good ideas, again, right off the top of my head. I like it. I
1: am going to uh, address this question from a much more pessimistic point of view. Fair enough. Um, You know, I don't think, how do I word this? If somebody doesn't want it, you can't make them want it. I firmly believe that. One of the things that I always tell people when I teach them or coach them is I can't want this more than you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't, Joe, you made an incredible transformation and I can try to take credit for it. And believe me, I have with mental health (laughs) on my Instagram. I mean, that that somehow I gave you some knowledge or inspired you or, but the reality is 99% of that success came from you. You had to want it. There was nothing I can do if right. motivation doesn't come from within you. Right. And so my kind of thing, and you made a very good point with the Instagram influencer, find another workout partner or another source of, inf- uh, of, of inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, think,
2: it, I think no matter who you choose, like if, if you're trying to bring your, you know, your, your good buddy Bob into the workout with you and he's not, he's not doing it, you've got to be able and willing to cut him off.
1: Well, that's the thing. And you've got to look after yourself first. A lot mm-hmm. of people think that's being selfish, but pay yourself first. You can't be getting dragged down by other people. And so when it comes to my workout, it's sacred. If, if I can't find somebody who inspires me or forces me to be better, I move on. You know, that's
2: I mean, that's, I, I, that's 100% true with me, too. I would rather work out alone than with somebody who's just slowing me down. Well, that's exactly it. And we've, we've grown close over the years. And the reason
1: we've grown close is because you inspire me you make me better. So I want to spend my time with you. Right, right, right. I, I, I'm yeah. not going to spend my time with somebody that doesn't. So maybe it's a little pessimistic, but, I, you know, move on and and, and and find somebody else, find somebody that pushes you or find
2: an environment that pushes you. Right. That's big, and, too, because I've seen a lot of folks will kind of fall into sort of a lame gym scene and then kind of fall off. And it's like, well, go find a gym that you fit in better. You know, if you don't like the music being played, there's other gyms. Like, don't be afraid to shop around. You don't owe loyalty to a particular coach. I mean, are not you really. loyal,
1: Owe loyalty to yourself and our two yeah. minutes are up. All right. So <laughs> next, next question. One, how do I know I'm pushing hard enough during my
2: workouts and also sufficiently recovering? And your two minutes starts now. Uh, well, my, my first instinct is to say you are never pushing hard enough. Push harder. Uh, (laughs) secondly, it's going to be, you need to be going as hard as you can and you really don't know what that is until you start tracking and start finding out. So if you're going to be doing a particular workout, you need to write down what the results are. You need to track. And the next time that workout comes up, you need to perform better. Like, that's just it. Um, I can't tell you, Bobby, the number of workouts I've done, even just out of your book, where it says, oh, you know, you have to roll 150 meters in 30 seconds. And I wasn't sure if I could. So I tried as best I could on that first round. And then it's, you know, maybe maybe doing a can't versus won't where you're adding a meter. Like, maybe I started at 140. I don't even remember. But I know now what I'm capable of. And that's only because I was tracking it all along. You know, one of my favorite examples is the Holy Trinity, right? 30 minutes, pull-ups, push-ups, and dips. And people say, well, how many do you do? You you do until you can't and then how do you keep getting fitter because next time you do more So if I got 150 reps this time around I've got to get 151 the next time around and so I don't know that i've ever found like my limit But I know that i'm always going one step further than I did last time And the further down that path I go, I guess the closer i'll get to that limit So how do you know if you're training hard because you're doing better than you did the last time? I think that's that as far as recovery You need to know going into the workout like you kind of want to go into the workout if you're just dragging your feet and you just don't even want to live My 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 phrase is just wanting to punch the world in the throat Like probably need a little bit more recovery and there's some really interesting ways you can test recovery Everything from just clenching a fist as hard as you can and just seeing how strong it feels Because if you can't make a tight fist, you're probably a little bit overdone uh, and the other one I've done, uh, and I think I talked to you about this, Bobby was heart rate variability tracking and an even easier version of that is just checking your pulse in the morning and just kind of seeing where your resting heart rate is at. So there's some, some tricks that you can do there as well. I like it. Your two minutes are done. I like this two minute format. I got to say, it's <laughs> you kind just, of rapid you just like, fire. Of yeah, but you like, hard.
1: you like cutting me off too. <laughs> I do enjoy cutting you off. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you know, In terms of – for my answer for that, in terms of how do you know if you're pushing hard enough, I want to touch on something you spoke about already. Just go harder every single workout. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to know your limit. And it's funny. If I was to ask you, Joe, if you could run a mile in five minutes right now, your answer might be I don't know. Right. If I asked you if you could do it for a million dollars, I bet you'd figure it out and could yeah. do a mile. Yeah. Knowing your level of fitness, you could do a mile in in, in five minutes. Yep. You could figure out a way to do it for sure. Um, the example I've used that's really harsh is what if there was a gun to your kid's head? What mm-hmm. would you do then? You would figure out a way to harness maximum intensity. And so one thing I like that that you said is with the Holy Trinity to do that workout again and and do more than you did the last time. But you don't have to limit it to the Holy Trinity. One thing that I do when I program for people is I give them the same week of workouts over and over again for, say, a six-week block. And all the workouts are timed or measured in some way that you have to improve week after week. And so even if you sandbag a little week one, Mm -hmm. even if you don't get maximum intensity week one... By week six, if you've had to beat it week two, week three, week four, week five, by week six, you're almost at maximum intensity. Right. And so, don't be afraid to to repeat the workouts in terms of recovery. That's really tough. Uh, I hate the concept of recovery to a degree because people run around saying they're overtrained, they haven't recovered enough, and they haven't worked a day hard enough in their life to even come close to to, to overtraining or not being recovered. Right. So. Right. My kind of thing is get your eight hours sleep a night, eat enough food so you don't feel beat down and stay away from stress, and honestly then work as hard as you want. Unless you're putting in 15 to 20 hours a week, you're probably not going to overtrain. Right. And my time is now done. All right. Next question. All right. Can you uh, – I'm going to have to reword this a little bit because okay. it's it's a, it's a little bit broken, but uh, can you still achieve hypertrophy? Um, or can you do hypertrophy workouts to, to gain muscle mass while still training for strength?
2: Short answer, yes. I, in fact, I think you you have to train for strength. And if you want to continue to push the strength limits, uh, the only way to do it is to get more muscle, right? So the way I always think about it is like the, the very first time you bench pressed, Bobby, you said you got pinned under a 45-pound bar, right? Yep. And my guess is even the next day, you could probably get the 45 pound bar up all of a sudden. And it's not like you just, you know, had tons and tons of muscle grow literally overnight. It's the, the neurological aspect of you didn't like your body doesn't know how much muscle it needs to use to move a particular load until it tries. And when it fails, it knows, well, okay, I fired that at only like 20%. Maybe I need to up it to 30 and then it ups it to 30. And then all of a sudden you can move a weight that you didn't think you could move. That's purely neurological. The muscle is already there. It's weak muscle, but you're just getting more of it. Once you've sort of maxed out what that muscle is capable of and you're firing on like 80, 90% of what you're capable of, then those muscle tissues have to get stronger. And the only way they're going to get stronger is what I always say. It's the rate at which cells divide. They need to evolve and adapt and grow. And at that point, you're going to need bigger, thicker muscles. So I think you can see people, uh, especially in, um, think of uh, weightlifting as a sport, the people on the low end of the scale are not huge, bulky athletes. They look fairly lean, but they're super strong for that size. And I think if they wanted to get stronger than they are at that size, the only real way for them to do that is to get bigger, thicker, to make their their joints more stable and to really just work on the structural integrity of the body so that the muscles can work more. Does that kind of make sense? I kind of feel like I'm rambling a little bit. No, uh,
1: c- completely. What I would what I would add to that, though, and I'll I'll start my time now. Mm-hmm. What uh, what I would add to that is there's two basic ways to get stronger. Right? There's the neurological path. And your muscle knows how to lift something. And the more you do a movement, I think what you're trying to say is the better
2: it gets. It right. Up. Yes. Exactly. So, so
1: you learn basically the first time you bench press, if you don't know how to do it, the weight feels really heavy. As you get better with technique, it feels lighter and lighter and lighter. So neurologically, you get stronger. But that only goes so far. Right. So maybe you can work up to a bodyweight bench press, maybe a double bodyweight bench press. But eventually you can't make any more neurological gains. Right. I don't know what the best deadlift of all time is. Maybe, you know, is it five times body weight? Is it 5.1 times body weight? But nobody's doing a 10 times body weight deadlift. Yeah, yeah. And so there comes a point where then the only other way you can get stronger is by putting on size because a bigger muscle is usually stronger than a smaller muscle. And so you kind of have to split the difference. And so what I tell people is is that, yes, it is possible to get stronger and stay the same size. Mm-hmm. And you could do that through neurological means.
2: Yes, that's it's like, it's like the skill component of lifting. And that's why yes. I would say like heavy lifting is a skill that needs to be mastered. But being bigger will always get you stronger. I
1: mean yes. if you're 300 pounds, you can you can deadlift a lot of weight just because you're 300 pounds. Right, right. All other things being equal. So, um, yes, you can do some hypertrophy work when you do some strength work. And I, I think they can work together. But you also made a good point about powerlifting – if you are a powerlifter, it's a little bit different because you also, uh, it's a sport specific type of thing. Yeah. If you're beat down for doing hypertrophy work all the time, you might not be getting those neurological gains from strength.
2: Or if you're at a plateau with your main lifts, it might be because you need to do more like structural work to help kind of push through that plateau. And, no, and that's, that's my, my phrase is always when you PR the accessory work, you'll PR the main moves.
1: Well, that's exactly it.
2: All right. Next question.
1: How would you program a week of training for a fighter in camp? That's a good
2: question for you, Bobby. I want to hear your answer on this one.
1: All right. I'll go. uh, I'll go first. So I actually have a different viewpoint from my experience in fighting. When I was fighting in the UFC, I was obsessed with the gym. Uh, I would do five uh, fight specific sessions a week. That was in my fight gym. And I would do five weighted conditioning workouts. The reality was, Joe, you know, you know me. I never lost a fight because of fitness, but I did lose fights, multiple fights because of technique. Mm -hmm. Really looking back on it, It was immaturity and fear that uh, led me to working out in the gym all the time because I could control it. Right, right, right. It was the one thing in my life I could control. I couldn't control my opponent, couldn't control the crowd, couldn't control their game plan, but I could control what was going on in the gym. But the reality was I was over-horsepowered for the sport. I should have been working on technique. And so I'm a big believer in that in any sport, regardless of fighting, basketball, football, the sport comes first. So if I was training for a fighter in camp, that that kind of sets it up. Honestly, I would do most of my work doing fight-specific work, sparring, sparring, uh, kicking, punching, grappling, um, and, and you should get fit just doing that. I mean, by the time you get to a serious camp, maybe you should be doing weights once to twice a week for maintenance, in my opinion. And honestly, if you guys you know doubt that, go spar for ten rounds hard. Uh-huh. <laughs> go, I mean, go do some kicking drills and kick a bag as hard and as fast as you can for an hour. It's not like you're not getting any conditioning. So I think in the fight world and in the sports world, there's this overemphasis put on strength and conditioning when just by doing the sport, you should get it anyway. So for a fighter in camp, maybe once to twice a week for weights Mm -hmm. or
2: or some type of condition and everything else is hands on fight training. Now, I remember back when uh, when I was fighting, we did a lot of band work. So we had uh, bands that you would attach to your ankles. I know a lot of guys use this uh, in Taekwondo today still, um, but that counts as resistance training as well. But it's also kind of sports specific, which made it fun and, I mean, pretty effective. Uh, But I think you're absolutely right. I think there's just an overemphasis on the idea that, you know, all things considered, the stronger athlete will always be the better athlete. Uh, We just kind of talked a little bit about how strength is a skill. But I also say, you know, hey, fighting is a skill and you need to be as as good at that skill as possible. And then you can overcome some of those other things, like maybe not being the absolute strongest fighter in your weight class. So I think you you have to have the mentality that there is a a, like minimum level of strength that's going to be required. And being at that minimum level is perfectly acceptable. And then put all your eggs into the I just need to win the fight, because realistically, the better fighter should be the one that wins. And your goal is to show up on fight night the best. Fighter that you can be, so I, th- I think you can go too far down the rabbit hole and almost do too much training that's not necessarily going to help you when you get to the ring. And the second part of answering that question is like, how bad do you want to win? Because if it's everything to you, then you're going to do everything that you can do. Um, And so I think as a coach, you have to look at the athlete you're training and you have to give them what they need. You know, you can't, I don't think you can just have like a, a, this is a fight program and everybody should follow it. You know, don't, don't cram square pegs in around holes either. So there is a little bit of an art to it.
1: No. And if I could just add one thing to that, Joe, I've seen a lot of fat out of shape people beat up people that were just gym athletes. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not—it's not the strongest, bigger, faster person always exactly. wins. It's—it's a, it's a skill sport. Oh yeah. All right. Next question. We, we're actually doing pretty good with this two-minute format. I like yeah. it. I think it's a good amount of time. Um, how are you able to put on so much mass without getting fat? Whenever I uh, increase <laughs> calories, I, I, I get fat. I feel like that's that's directed completely at me. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> You know, so in, in terms of that and, and Joe, you're trained here, here, a lot. Let, of let me
2: give you the answer. It's all lies. It's lies. <laughs> yes. So the 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 first thing is I am
1: able to put on size, but there is a genetic component to getting big that people forget about. Mm-hmm. If you want to know your potential to get big, I always tell people to look at their parents. My mom, uh she's five foot nine, five foot ten, and about hundred and eighty pounds, and she doesn't look overweight. Mm-hmm. My dad, when he died, was six foot three, 240 pounds, also a really big man. So I come from big genetic stock. It's fairly easy for me to put on masks. I mean, even my grandfather, if you want to take it a generation back, he told me when he came back from World War II, and that's spending a lot of time overseas, that he was six foot two and 198 pounds. That was his like worn down rock bottom weight. Right. And that's not lifting weights. That's just walking around. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really the lightest I'm ever going to be, Joe, not even trying is 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Um, I'm able to put on a fair amount of size while staying fairly lean because of a genetic component. Um, Also, different people have metabolic rates. I mean, we all know the person who can eat whatever they want and they can't put on a pound. Mm -hmm. And we know the person that smells a hamburger and puts on 10 pounds. Right, yeah. You know, that has that has some issue with the metabolism or something like that. So like I said, there's a big genetic uh, component, but there is a couple of things or there are a couple of things you can do to uh, make sure you don't get fat while putting on size. Uh, The first thing would be a diet higher in protein uh, and relatively lower in carbohydrates. I find that uh, eating a ton of carbs tends to uh, store fat. Uh, easier than than protein and fat. I mean, no one gets fat on a diet of steak and butter. Right. And then the second thing is make sure you're working hard enough in the gym and doing enough hypertrophy work that you're not getting overweight and being lazy. And that was exactly two minutes. Perfect. Nice.
2: Anything <laughs> Anything Look, to add? What What I would add to that too is I mean, you're going to have to experiment. And I know for me, if uh, well, I'll tell you this when I, when I went on a high calorie diet when I was doing like a dedicated mass gain and eating you know five thousand calories a day. I got super, super strong. Like I definitely put on muscle, but I didn't look very fit. So I was putting on a lot of fat too. So what I have inferred from my experience is that if I want to do mass gain, I have to take the long, slow approach. So I'm talking like a small increase in calories and then kind of dialing it in because uh, if I go too big, I will just just balloon up. And so I, I really have to kind of eke towards that. It's very easy for my body to to put on mass, uh, but it doesn't like separating muscle from the fat, if that makes sense. So it's like- Oh, it, that makes complete sense. It's just a slow turn of the dial until I kind of find the magic zone. And if I notice like I'm getting too pudgy, I may have to dial it back for a short time. And so it takes a lot of patience, a lot of dedication.
1: Got it. So the other thing I would I would assume from that is it takes you longer to put on mass. Yes. Because your body does put on fat fairly easily. I mean if you want to do – staying lean, it's going to take a lot longer. Yes. And yes. I think that's true for most people.
2: I agree. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, if you, I, again, you mentioned genetics. I think it's a window you just yep. have no idea necessarily how open that window is. No. And if you want to put on – if you want to put on 18 pounds
1: in six weeks, some of it's got to be fat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to put on 18 pounds of muscle, it might be a year or two years. Yep. All right. Next question. And again, I feel like people are trolling me here, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, have you ever considered laying off the fast food and getting in more plants? <laughs> all
2: right. Let, I, let, me, let me start this one off. Um, so, so start right. the timer here. Um, Bobby doesn't post all his meals online. It's not like all he eats are chicken nuggets, folks. I've been around the man. That that's just what he takes pictures of. Okay, Bobby, on to you. (laughs) I mean, easy. It's called the Instagram biased.
1: Uh, I was actually reading an article about this one time and it's funny. You post a picture of steamed broccoli and chicken. You get zero likes and you lose all your followers, right? You post a donut or pancakes or pizza and you get a million likes and you gain followers. I mean, one of the, one of the Instagram accounts I love is a gentleman named Dwayne Johnson at the rock. Um, he's also known as the Polynesian, Bobby Maximus all around the world. Uh, (laughs) Um, But with The Rock, I mean, when he posts his epic cheat meals, it's chocolate chip pancakes and pizza and like delicious stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah. I've seen his his sushi posts are amazing, too.
1: Exactly. He's not posting some food that nobody wants to eat. And so it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I just had a bowl of raspberries before this podcast and some walnuts. I'm not posting that. Nobody wants to see it. So I would say don't just judge what you see on Instagram. Uh, I post probably one. Food pitcher every two or three days like do you really think that's all i eat would be the first thing i would say yeah yeah you know presumably i've eaten in three days 15 to 18 meals the other thing that i would say is everybody's different i actually have a fairly difficult time putting on weight i need to eat a fuck ton of calories to do it so sometimes i i have to veer away from a clean diet and that's not good for health but for my definition of performance and putting on weight I need extra calories. And frankly, sometimes it's easier or sometimes a little lazy because uh, I've been accused of that before. It's easier to
2: do it eating junk than, than eating real food. Yeah, and I think that's, that's an important distinction is, is health versus performance because people often assume that they both go hand in hand. But I'll tell yep. you what, the guys that are, you know, making millions of dollars in the NFL are not there for their health. They're there nope. for a paycheck, you know, and they're risking brain injury to get that paycheck. So it's a different perspective too. And and it's hard for people to understand how somebody can chase performance to the point where it's actually detrimental to their health. But that's kind of where we're at, right? Yep. All right. Moving on to the next one.
1: What is the most important training variable when it comes to training with
2: very little time? And you can start. Intensity, 100%. You stole my answer. (laughs) Whatever time you've got, you have got to fill it with as much work as you can. And that's all there is to it. I think you can get super fit on 10 minutes a day if you fill that 10 minutes with some really, really intense efforts.
1: I like it. So here's the thing that I always say. You ever see these infomercials, Joe, where they say you can get fit on 20 minutes a day, three days a week? Yes, of course. I believe it. If you're fit enough to make that 20 minutes count. Right. So there is this workout I do called prison burpees. It's a 20 to one burpee ladder. Mm-hmm. It ends up being 210 burpees for time. If you can do 210 burpees and you can do that under 20 minutes, you're a fit human and you get a lot of work done. You will never be unfit. The problem is You had to do hours and hours of work to get to that level of fitness first. Yeah. So I don't disagree when the infomercials say you can get fit three times a week for 20 minutes, but they're aiming it to the wrong crowd. You already had to be fit to get there.
2: Well, remember, it always says too results, not typical
1: right? That's right. That's right. So if you want to only train for 20 minutes, you can, but you have to, I mean, you have to work till you're blind. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, like you, you have to go, 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 go with, with no quit. I think you can get really fit on 20 minutes a day,
2: but you have to be willing to give a piece of your soul. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're probably not going to be looking forward to those training sessions. And in fact, in order to keep that intensity high enough, I would say that if you're not losing a little bit of sleep over that next training session, then you're definitely not going hard enough.
1: No, exactly. And I'll actually plan workouts like this sometimes when I want to get the intensity high. Instead of leaving myself two hours to work out or planning two hours to work out, I'll put myself in a position where I have a meeting at 1 o'clock and I'll show up at the gym at 1230 yeah. Or yeah. 1240. And I have to crank stuff out in, in 20 minutes. And it's amazing how high you can get the intensity when you're forced
2: to do it. Right. Yeah. And otherwise you got two, three hours to get a workout in. No rush. Like you really don't push, you know, it's you like, hang out, you yeah. talk. I you mean, play. you can do a lot of work, but it's not very intense at all. No, not at all. All right. Next one.
1: Can you talk? And we're getting through a lot of these. It makes me happy. So uh, if you guys listening at home appreciate this, please, anytime you want, send us uh, questions. We are happy to answer them. I think this question and answer thing is going to be regular. Um, Can
2: you talk about the importance of sleep in a recovery uh, uh, regimen? Uh, If you don't sleep, you might as well just give up. It's kind of like if you come to the gym and you drink a six-pack a day and smoke two packs of cigarettes, and then you're like, uh, hey, do, is taking fish oil going to be good for me? It's like, like dude, you got, you got bigger, bigger problems. Yep. And, and so I would say like, sleep is the key. Sleep, the, the, I, honestly, this is what I tell people, and, and I can't really back this up, but this, this seems to make sense, is when you're awake, your body is kind of constantly breaking down, and it's when you're asleep that your body rebuilds. So why wouldn't you get as much sleep as you could? Right. Makes sense to me. And so that's that's how I try to think about it. And I'll just tell you, I mean, people come with all kinds of excuses like they're the the unique snowflake that only needs four hours of sleep at night. Like it's almost like you're you're more of a man because you can operate on less sleep, um, which is just kind of a ridiculous notion. Like just try, just try getting yourself. And I don't mean like setting a clock eight hours from now, but like Give yourself a 10-hour window and try to get 8 to 9 hours of sleep every night for a week and then tell me how you feel about your life because it will be vastly improved, guaranteed. I like it. I mean, it's great advice. And sleep, uh, I guess I'll
1: jump in now. Um, I actually explain it a little bit different of a way. Uh, One thing that everybody's attached to right now is a cell phone or your smart device, right? Yeah. Um, How well does that device work if you don't plug it in at night? Like if you leave the house in the morning and you're only on a 10 or 20% charge you can't use it. You limit how much you text message. You can't use your maps function. You can't check your email because the battery will burn out and get to zero and it'll shut off. If you leave the house on the other hand and your phone's at 100% charge, you can use that thing all day. You You can listen to music. You can play under email. You can check your social media and you don't have to restrict your usage. And so what I always tell people is your body is the cell phone and your bed is the charger. There you go. And you gotta leave it a full charge. And it will allow you to get more done. And this four hour sleep thing, like a badge of honor. Yes, you can survive on four hours sleep. You can cope on four hours sleep. I've actually met people that perform seemingly well on four hours sleep mm-hmm. a night, but you will always do better with more sleep. Absolutely. That is a fact and it cannot be denied. I mean, there's a reason why air traffic controllers they have minimum rest breaks between shifts. Yeah, yeah. Pilots as well. It's it's just science, and you can't you can't mess with it. So on to the next question. Again, more people trolling me. I think I invite it with my personality, but I think I'm possibly going
2: to lose my hair. Did you struggle with a lot of men with baldness, right? Thanks. Bobby, Bobby so, went bald at 16. It was rough. It was
1: yes, rough. This is, this is actually an easy one for me to answer. Um, I never had to face that decision as a man. Like I, I, I never looked in the mirror and realized I was losing my hair and had to make a decision to do the comb over or get hair plugs or wear a hat or shave it all off. When I was 21 years old, I had a beautiful head of hair and I was in teacher's college and I would wrestle in the morning. Work out uh, on my lunch break and then wrestle again uh, after uh, class. And this was at Lakehead University. And I always had to be presentable in class because it was a professional degree. And it got really annoying having to do my hair. So one day, uh, bought some clippers, shaved my head, looked in the mirror and was horrified. Like, what have I done? Because <laughs> it, it was it was honestly, it was kind of shocking. Go from like a big full head of hair to nothing and it was too late now. And then I kind of got used to it. And then by the time I, because I do have a bit of a bald spot now, by the time I noticed that I had a bald spot, I'd been shaving my head for so long. It didn't even matter. Like I wouldn't, even if I could, I wouldn't grow my hair back now. So um, the person that asked that question, I, I, I feel for you. I can't really offer advice. Um. Uh, <laughs> The only thing I'd say is, are you worried about losing your hair for yourself or other people? Because if it's for other people, fuck what other people think. Amen. You're good either way. Whether you have hair or not, you're the same person.
2: Yeah, I think that's really kind of the key here is, is honestly, who gives a fuck? Because if it's you, then deal with it, you know? But if it's other people, screw those people. You're, you don't need to worry about what they think.
1: Just do well, you. And, and one more thing. Who are the two most powerful men on the planet of Earth? The Rock and Bobby Maximus. Both are bald. There you Not go. bad, not bad company to be in. Yep. And Joe, you're kind of going bald too. And I'll throw you in that. <laughs> I, Last time I, 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 I would... checked your Instagram, you're looking pretty damn ripped. So <laughs> there might be something to this whole bald thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe there is. You got it. Um, next question. How do you get your partner into fitness?
2: Ooh, this, this is like, this is like getting them into a religion, right? Yep. Uh, I, honestly, you, you got to lead by example. And you know, if you're having fun, then the people around you kind of want on that bandwagon. You know what I mean? So like, I think uh, uh, for for my wife, God bless her, I, I went through this major transformation while well, she was going through a different kind of transformation called having two kids, and so her body has just taken a, a beating with all of that. Um, so she she knows like physically how good I feel, right? And she's seen me transform into you know a fitter, better looking man, and so I know that like she wants that. And I don't have to twist her arm to get her to the gym. She wants to go because she knows that that will get her to that point as well. And so I think that's sort of the way. If you, if you just grab somebody and you're like, hey, you should go work out, they're going to be like, why? What's wrong with me? You think I'm out of shape? You think I'm fat? You think I'm ugly? you know, all that negative self-talk is going to pop up in their head. So I would just avoid that altogether and and just focus on, on you and being the best version of you that you can be and letting your example inspire other people.
1: I like that. I've seen it go the other way too, though, Joe. I mean, you said something about how if you look like you're having fun and other people want a piece of that, mm-hmm. I've seen it go the other way where people get jealous. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I I actually have developed a term for this. It's called termiting (laughs) where, and I've seen it with people I train and I know you have too, where you have a man and a woman who are, we'll say in their early forties and they both let themselves go. And one person decides they're going to start getting fit. They start waking up early every morning. They start making the sacrifices they need to make. They start working out at the gym and they start making a real change. And rather than the other person be supportive, they start to get jealous they start to get envious and it really shines a spotlight on their negative behavior because people in today's society don't like when people make good choices around them. Right. Kind of like when you're at a table with eight people and you're the one person that doesn't order dessert. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what, you, what do you want to diet? Oh, come on. Oh, what big guy can't afford the extra calories or oh, are you obsessed with working out? Like it's almost like a, a form of fit shaming. Yeah. And and if you're sitting there and you've got a beer and, and, and a bucket of French fries in, in gravy, and your wife's eating a salad, you may feel bad for making a bad choice. And so what the what the partner will do sometimes is start to termite you and say, "Do you really have to go to the gym?" I mean, I've seen this lead to divorce in couples. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. where where people don't like and and I can't get it. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I can't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I, I want my wife, I mean, I find her incredibly sexy. I love her to death. I, I want her to look the way she does now in 20 years. Right. right. I want her to keep working out and I would be thrilled if, if my partner let herself go or let himself go and then they wanted to get in shape again. Like, don't you want the best for your partner? So that's, that's my first thing I've seen it go the other way. But the, 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 the real way to do it is to gently ease them in and, and kind of uh, promote the whole thing, but don't oversell.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? When someone feels forced into it, they're not going to do it. And back to what we answered earlier in this podcast, if someone doesn't want to do it, you can't make them want it.
2: Mm-hmm. They got to want it for themselves. Yeah. I think that's the big thing is they, they, they can't be doing it for you, you know? No. Nope.
1: And here's one more thing I can say, use trickery. Yeah. I mean, I always, I always joke about this. If you were to walk five K a day every day for the year, you would do the equivalent of 38 marathons. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get your partner into exercise, don't ask them to go to the gym. Ask them to go for a walk and make it worth their while. When you're on a walk, ask them about their day. Yeah, yeah. Ask them about how they're doing. Um, Talk about interesting things. I mean, not only is it a great way to get fit, it's a great way to bring your marriage closer together too. Imagine how much closer you would be with your partner if you spent, you know, what what does 5K take for a walk, Joe? 40 minutes? Yeah, yeah. If you spent 40 minutes a day just talking and connecting without a TV or a cell phone, yeah. I, I really think I should be a relationship therapist That's a good on that one. note.
2: Yeah, I, I like I, it. Yeah, I'm all for it. All right, next. Uh, what helps you stay present? Practice. Okay. <laughs> a lot of practice. Um, you, you have to try to think about how to word this. You have to realize when you're not present, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it's a matter of systematically eliminating whatever distractions you have. Yep. And so I think once you are familiar enough with the things that do distract you and I'll tell you right now for me cell phone for sure. if I go into the gym and I've got my cell phone in my pocket, you know I'm gonna be on it and I know I'm gonna be on it. And so it's yep. just it's better for me just leave it in the gym bag leave it in the locker, don't bring it out onto the gym floor, because I know I'm going to work harder, I'm going to work longer. Fair enough. You know, and so I think that is, is a big key is just understanding sort of what those those triggers are, and then eliminating them as much as possible. Um, and the other thing, I think it, it is just a practice, you know, um, I've got a martial arts background, you know, so at the end of every of every workout, we would sit in just a quiet meditation. And doing that kind of stuff actually does pay off. Because you you do think back to your training session and you think about what you experienced and what you did that was good. You think about what you could improve next time and, and you start to look forward to that next session and it kind of creates this connection from session to session to session. So every workout is part of that longer journey and I think that also kind of helps draw me into what I'm doing, like knowing why I'm there and and where I'm at within that journey and and where I'm supposed to be going does kind of help keep me focused and keep me engaged in what I'm doing at the moment. So I think there's that. And then the, the second part of that is just knowing your why is understanding why you're there and what you're trying to do, because that, that will always bring you around, you know, and, and having some kind of an emotional trigger to it is really key too. I think people leave that out. It's like, well, why do you go to the gym? Well, because I want to be in better shape. I want to, I want to look good naked or whatever. Well, that, that's fine. I mean, That's all, all well and good, but you need some kind of an emotional connection to what you're doing, you know? So for, for me, why do I work out? Well, because I don't want my daughter to grow up without a dad, you know, I don't want to drop dead of a heart attack in my fifties. Like my grandfather did. I don't want to be dealing with diabetes my whole life. Right. (laughs) So these are things now I've, I've brought like my kids into my why, and that does also help keep me focused that there's, there's a bigger thing here than just like taking great Instagram pictures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, I don't really – I appreciate your answer, but I don't really understand questions like this. Okay. And this whole thing about I need to be aware, I need to be present, the thing that I want to ask the person that answer, that asks that question, how bad do you fucking want it? Because if you want right. it bad enough, questions like that don't come up. This is true. Yeah. I'll I mean, I, I I don't know. When I really, really want to do something, I'm focused on it 100% and I don't let anything get in well, my way. So
2: so maybe the question is – because. Uh, we all think we want it, right? But yep. then you end up at the gym and you're not really, you're not into it. So then it's more of a question of like motivation, right? So it's not necessarily about how do you stay present? It's, it's more of like, well, how do I stay motivated? How do I, how do I make myself want it? So I'd be, I'd be curious too, kind of about where the question is coming from just, just to begin with. Because if it's a motivation thing, well, psst, motivation is fleeting. You're never going to have it. You just do it anyway. And that just comes down to your, your innate drive. And that's something I'd- I think you have to develop. I'll use two of my favorite things to to draw an analogy here
1: or, or draw a comparison yeah. here, video games and movies. Mm-hmm. If I don't like a movie, if I'm not into it, I am not present. I stop paying attention. Yeah. I fall asleep on the couch. I check out. Same thing with a video game. I'll turn it off. On the other hand, I have played video games that the house could be burning down around <laughs> me and I would have yeah. no idea because I am so engaged. Yeah, yeah. So- I would say if you're starting to ask yourself things like, how do you stay present? You just don't want it that bad enough or you don't like
2: it that much. Or like I said, maybe you just, you haven't really identified your reason for being there or at least a reason that's compelling enough to keep you there. And by
1: the way, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, mean, the big myth is that I expect everyone to work out. That's not true. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. I just don't want to hear about all of your misery because you're not fit because you've chosen not to train. Right, right. If you don't want to train and you can own it, I'm all for it. Sure. Next question. What are your thoughts on building strength technique on ollie lifts before starting the Maximus Body? And I, I, I'd like to take that one, actually. Yeah, uh, at it. First, I don't think you need to ever do olympic lifts. And I'm not saying I don't like them before the internet haters start <laughs> beating me down with DMs how I hate ollie lifts. I just think Olympic lifts are a sport unto themselves. And so, if you're into Olympic lifting as a sport, great, do it. You want to uh, engage in CrossFit, you're going to have to do some Olympic lifts. Joe, mm. you're a highly accredited CrossFit coach. Right. Last time I checked, cleans and snatches are part of the whole CrossFit regime. Yep. Great. But if you're just trying to look good naked or be a better dad or be better at work or be fit, you don't necessarily have to do them. So I would close this question off by by saying, what are your goals? If your goals are to, are to do general fitness type stuff, jump right into the Maximus body and do the program. Yeah. yeah. If your goals
2: to do CrossFit or be an Olympic lifter, then
1: yeah, you got to do
2: them. Yeah, I agree with right? that. And, and having been through the Maximus body program, they're not required by any means.
1: No, you don't have to do them. So you, I mean, and like I said, you don't have to be, I mean, you're not as a bigger pitcher type topic, uh, being fit, you're not held back by any form of equipment to tell you the truth, right? If Your goal is just to, to be generally fit. You can get fit with a floor.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's it. I mean, burpees, push ups, squats, lunges, you don't need much. Right, right. And I would say, too, like, let's say you're coming from a CrossFit background and you just really enjoy doing the Olympic lifts. Well, nobody says that you can't. I mean, you can still do the Maximus Body Program. There is an Olympic warm-up in there. There's, I think there's a day that I did power cleans, at least one, yep. maybe two.
1: And you can you can add them in.
2: Absolutely. Start your workout, if you love them, by doing some Olympic
1: lifts and move on to the workout.
2: Yeah, and, and I'm a huge fan of the Olympic lifts. I love Olympic weightlifting as a sport. I've coached athletes. Uh, I've participated in the sport. Like it, It's a great sport, but I don't think that the ability to do a heavy snatch automatically makes you some some other beast. You nope. know what I mean? But I will tell you, a guy who can do a heavy snatch is probably pretty athletic. So I agree. There, there's some correlation there for sure. And it, it's a worthy pursuit for sure. It's just not a necessary pursuit to build elite levels of fitness. And, and I don't think anything is necessary to build right. an elite level of fitness.
1: Just All right, the Joe. Drive, the drive to do it. I'm, I'm going to cut this off because I have just read – Maybe my favorite question of all time. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm actually... We're going to take longer than two minutes if we have to. (laughs) So I'm introducing a new role because the question is that good. All right. The top five movies a man gets a pass to cry at. Oh. So whoever asked that question, you win the question (laughs) game.
2: All right. So, So some people probably don't know this about me, but I have a degree in film studies. So... Now I have to rack my brain. Oh, well, I don't know about it. What do you think? I'm thinking. OK, number one, the Karate Kid. Yeah. OK, good. The, good. the, the story of, of Daniel
1: overcoming bullies <laughs> and, and facing his personal demons along with, I mean, when you start getting into Karate Kid 2 and 3, his tumultuous relationship with Mr. Miyagi and his numerous... Romantic failures. I mean, it really is an inspirational movie. It is. It is. And when you see him at the end of Karate Kid 1 and he's hurt and he overcomes adversity,
2: might bring a tear to somebody's eye. It did It did for me. It was very number formative two, in my childhood. Number two, Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without that a doubt. That is
1: one of those movies. And I'll throw Braveheart in there, too, because they're kind of, I feel like they're the same movie. Yeah. Just one is set in Rome. One's set in Scotland.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I feel it's the story. I mean, when the hero dies in that, it's hard not to tear up. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I find that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh,
1: I, I would throw Tombstone in there.
2: Yes, yes.
1: You know, uh, it's a pretty hard movie, but, um, you know, in the Wild West, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holiday, but they do such a good job, I think, of uh, the the touching relationship between Doc Holiday and Wyatt Earp.
2: Yeah, yeah, and just the the tragic nature of Doc Doc Holliday, like yes, great film, great one. I I really think
1: uh, you can have a tear in that one, and uh, you know there's there's got to be some other ones. I'm trying to think of some other I'm gonna, movies. I'm
2: going to throw one out here. This is if you if you haven't seen this film, I highly, highly, highly recommend. It. It's called Seven Samurai. It's an old like 1953 okay. Japanese. Um, it, it inspired the Magnificent Seven, but Seven Samurai is a film where if, if you're a man, you, hell, everybody, I don't care whether you're a man or not, should watch this movie. Um, but if you don't cry, it's because you're not human. So I would put Seven Samurai on that one. Uh, it's great. It just action adventure film. Um, but yeah, definitely a tearjerker. What about Rudy? So I, I kind of have a personal connection to that film. And okay. So I, I feel like that that may have kind of ruined me for Rudy. I actually had a uh, my eighth grade catechism teacher was Mr. Rudiger, Rudy's dad. So when that film came out, I was actually getting a lot of the, the rest so of the full story. Of shit right I'm now. telling you the truth.
0: <laughs> come Mr. on, Mr.
2: Rudiger was my eighth grade catechism teacher, and he was he, that film had come out, and he like it was almost like uh, yes, yes, I am I am Rudy's father. That is my son. <laughs>
1: Why is this the first time? I mean, we've been friends forever. We talk on the phone every day. I feel like this is the kind of story you would have told us day one of our friendship. How often does my eighth grade catechism teacher come in? Uh, No, it's just like, if that was my story, I would would post that shit on my Instagram on the weekly. uh,
2: I would give a man a pass if he cries at Rudy. But I got to tell you, the the representation of his father in that film was really unfair. Mr. Rudiger was a really good guy, and he really did support support okay, his fair. son quite a bit but the, the point he made was is he did all that work and he got what eight seconds of play like yep. what a waste like they they owed him either more than that or he should have just spent more time working on something with a bigger payoff but fair enough. it did make it for a great film
1: all right. This is, this is a fun one. I feel we could do an entire podcast on this because oh, there awesome. are yeah. some there yeah. are some weird movies. I mean, the last one I'll tell you, to be honest with you, for me, I found myself tearing up at Lord of the Rings not long ago. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if I was emotional. I don't know what was going on, but I, I, I think that when a
2: movie is well done, it can have that power over somebody. Oh, and I would say, too, like it. it It does depend a lot on the situation, you know, but I I would find that if somebody isn't willing to cry at a film or if they're if they're fighting not to that, that's I would rather you just let it out, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather just let it. I'm going to be honest with you. The the last film that I actually teared up watching was Wonder Woman. Really? Yeah. Because in the beginning, watching that little girl and she's like running around. I I don't want to give any spoilers, but like she's a kid in the beginning of the movie and she's like running around, just wants to train. And I honestly thought that that scene was just so beautiful. And, I, and I'm sitting there with my daughter. Uh, I was homesick last week. We were watching this movie. And I was just thinking about that of just like the, the character, you know, and the development and the desire to train and to fight and to not be some, you know, pushover, to not fill some predetermined gender role. I just, I thought it was beautiful. And I found myself I get- kind of choking up on it. So, you know, sometimes it just kind of depends. You know? Yeah,
1: and, it, and like I said, if a movie's well done, I mean, you know this from film studies, that's the emotions we're trying to evoke. And some movies do a really good job of it. Yeah. Some movies not so much. And here's the other thing. Movies speak differently to different people. Absolutely. Not everyone yeah. has the same tastes. I mean, you, you could have a list that's completely different than ours. Yeah. But on to the next question, and here's another one trolling me. <laughs> what exactly is Blender Bottle? I, I, I don't know... <laughs> How do you describe that? (laughs) Okay, so Blender Bottle is a place that I work, and Blender Bottle makes every shaker cup in the history of the known universe. So if you have one of those bottles that you put a lid on and a little silver ball in and shake it to make your protein drink, it's a Blender Bottle. Yep. That is how I would answer that. And I have been lucky enough that of all places, they are right in my backyard. So I have the honor and privilege of working with the, the Blender Bottle, uh, basically the corporate executive team, um, and train them every single morning. And it's been a really wonderful experience for me.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: I,
1: and and help I, I transform people and work with them. And you've been there, too. In I've training. been
2: there. And it's it's a beautiful facility. It's a great gym. And the people there are just fantastic. I had a really good time out there. Yeah, it's it, it, it's wonderful. So
1: uh, next question. Please give examples of cheap, efficient meal making for the week. Crockpot. And and there's another one. <laughs> what is the most cost effective meal program if you're on a budget? And, and you just stole my answer again. Yeah, just crock Crockpot.
2: Yep, just easy. Meat, veggies, let it cook.
1: Yep, and and you can buy a cheap cut of meat. Yeah. Like you, ribeye steak's expensive. I get it. Not everyone Mm -hmm. can afford
2: that, but you can buy a good chuck roast for next to nothing. A pork loin. I mean, you can do a whole pork loin. Uh, And I think the last one I bought was four and a half pounds. It was only like 10 bucks. Yeah, and you're done. Yeah. So get a crock pot uh, throw a piece of meat in, go get a cheap
1: cut of meat, uh, carrots, potatoes, and the longer you cook it generally, the more tender
2: it gets and away you go. Yeah, there you go. And, and yeah, put it on, on the lowest setting for the longest amount of time. And you got enough, enough food for a week. Easy. All right. Next question.
1: And, and I'm going to take this one cause I have the greatest answer in the world for this. All right, let's hear it. And I'm stealing it from one of my lifelong heroes, Hulk Hogan. All right. So if you had to sacrifice sleep, recovery, or nutrition, which would you pick? And a couple of years ago, actually four years ago, I had the opportunity to listen Hulk Hogan speak, and he started talking about fitness, and he gave an answer to this very question that I will never forget. He goes, first, you train. That's what you always do first, because if you're not going to train, you got nothing to recover from. Right. So first, you train. If you have time, then you eat. If you have time after that, you train again. And then if you have more time, then you sleep. Hmm. And it's just what it took to, to be a WWE superstar. Like you had to be in shape. You had to look good on camera.
2: Yeah. So yeah.
1: training always came first. Then you ate. And if you had a time left, you sleep. And it honestly, Joe, it makes a lot of sense. Like when you break it down, because you get these people that are really into health. And they want to sleep eight to nine hours a night and they want to eat everything perfectly. But if you're not going to the gym, you're not going to see a change. Right. There, there is that saying that you can't outwork a shitty diet. I get it. But you can't, you can't out-eat shitty work ethic either. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're – and, and who would win in a fitness test? And be honest with me. The person that trains all the time but doesn't sleep much or, or eat well – or the person that eats perfectly and sleeps 10 hours a night but has never lifted weight in their life.
2: Obvious answer, right?
1: It's the person that trains. Yeah. Like it's just that is priority. It's orders of priority. Training, nutrition, then sleep. Well, and, I think and that's, this, for, that's this, for performance, not right.
2: health. And, and I think, too, this, this highlights uh, an issue that a lot of people have where they, they're arguing over things that are only going to affect a percent or two of, yep. of, of result, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, somebody who wants to be on the optimal training plan and have the optimal diet and the optimal sleep schedule. And it's like, re- realistically, they're like a shift worker and your sleep schedule is never going to be optimal. And so they just give up on everything. It's like, well, it can't be optimal. I can't have it at all. And that's that all or nothing thinking, I think, is what sinks people more often than anything. Yep. And so just understanding that like, y- all you got to do is just work really hard and just do the best you can with what you got at the moment. And you're going to get somewhere. And it may not be exactly where you want to go, but it's going to be a heck of a lot closer than where you're at by doing nothing. Yep, I
1: agree. All right, we have time for, uh, I'm going to say maybe uh, two more questions. All right, let's get them. So the first one is actually not a question, it's a shout-out. And I am always happy to shout-out to children. And this one is from Apple Valley, Minnesota. I feel like that's close to where you are. That actually is. Um, But uh, I've been listening with my 11-day-old son, Crosby. Hey, Can you get a shut up <laughs> Hell yes. And let me tell you, Crosby, if you are only 11 days old and you are listening to this already, you are gr- going to grow up to be a beast of a human being. A unit. He's going to be a huge. A unit. Yeah. Yep. Start training him now. So happy to do that. <laughs> and uh, we'll end this with a really good one. All right. And I feel like this is for me again. What is the most patties you've ever had on a hamburger? Oh. Twelve. Back in the day, I In-N-Out it. Burger used to do it. Now you can only get a four by four. In-N-Out used to allow you to order as many patties and cheese slices as you wanted a <laughs> burger. And I guess from reading on the internet, it got pretty absurd. Like people would say, give me 100 by 100. Mm-hmm. So they shut that shit down before i had a chance to really like get a good instagram post
2: yeah see they they saw you coming down the street and they were like now nah, we got to end that now quick okay and 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 one more because i do need to address the haters joe okay let's let's do it
1: what do you do when one of your superiors hates you because he envies you Flaunt it <laughs> I love you, Joe. <laughs> stick it to him. Just be as successful as humanly possible and make that man just filled or that woman filled with rage and jealousy. Yes. I mean, the best way I think you can stick it to your haters is by being successful. Amen. I, I I can't think of something. And I will tell you, I love and it might be petty, but I love proving people wrong. Mm hmm. And I love it when people tell me I can't do something and I can, or they're jealous of me simply because of my success. And I just keep getting more successful.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like hurting people's feelings. I don't like sticking it to people unnecessarily, but that is one area. Be, come as successful as possible and don't worry about their feelings, frankly.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, let's say they're your superior, they're your boss or whatever. Like it just, it's got to get to a level where it's just absurd, and they're going to have to realize that they're being absurd too. Yep. So I wouldn't even Game worry control. about, about like repercussions. It's like, it, it's just, yeah, just do you.
1: You know, and I actually uh, wrote somebody a message the other day about, uh, about this very topic, uh, not not really in terms of a, a person being jealous of you, but uh, there was someone uh, on Instagram who was taking some abuse from some people. And I, I just wrote back, like, why do you care what other people think? The top ten words that will ruin you are: "What will other people think?" and "What will other people say?" Can't control what your superior is going to think about you. No, nope. you can't control what other people around the world are going to think about you. So, do you get as successful as possible? And enjoy it for the right reasons. And if they happen to hate you along the way, I mean, and there's the old saying: "Until you have haters,
2: you ain't successful." Yeah, and I'd say too: just don't don't change your behavior because what other people might think. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, d-
1: d- become their superior and then stick it to them. Yeah, yeah. I like that. All right. So, that is it for our question and answer. I feel that went really well. Yeah. That's uh, you guys, listen, uh, if you want to start. Uh, Asking questions, we are happy to answer. And, and if this goes over well, we'd, we'd love to keep doing it. So uh, go to Joe Cebula's Instagram at J-O-E underscore Cebula, C-E-B-U-L-A. I'm always scared I'm going to get that wrong, but I think I always get it right. I will I will uh, correct you when you screw it up. Don't worry. Thank you. So go uh, send him some DMs and, and, and some questions. I'm at Bobby Maximus. You can always DM me there and, and ask some questions and watch for both our stories because we will... Uh, from time to time, put up a uh, uh, request for questions. And on that note, we are done. So we would like to thank our sponsors again, Lalo Tactical. Uh, if you want the best uh, workout shoes on the planet, go get yourself a pair of Maximus shoes. You want the best boots you'll ever get, uh, go here as well. www.lalo.com. Www.lalo, Use the code Maximus20 if you want 20% off, a gift from us to you. And then if you want the best steak, if you follow Joe and I on Instagram, you know it's our steak of choice. Uh, we do eat it all the time. We love it. Uh, go to meatlocker.com and use the code Maximus for 15% off from them. And they have a lot of great stuff. So uh, thank you to our sponsors. And uh, thank you guys for listening. The last of the real-